Amen. Um, so I want to have a disclaimer um, for today. Uh, I want to give you three rules that will help you uh, consume this sermon better. Uh, this is not one of those sermons where you're just going to look and listen to me speak. This is not one of those sermons where you're going to be able to listen passively. Uh, one thing about AWC is we do this thing that's extremely archaic. They used to do it like way back in the day, like hieroglyphs and stuff. But it's this concept of taking notes. <laughs> People today wait for the post to come out on social media and then say, I studied my word this week. No, you didn't. You looked at Instagram. Like, so I would like for you to do three things. Number one, somebody say, take notes. Today is not the day for you just to listen, write it down. Because I believe that what the Holy Spirit has to share with you today through what I'm going to teach, like you're going to have to be able to go back to it over and over and over and over again. Somebody say, take notes. Number two, somebody say, respond. Today is not the sermon to be quiet. This is not the sermon to sit and contemplate and try to figure out. Don't, don't, if you have to think about agreeing with me, you'll never agree. Like, I'm okay with you, don't agree with me. But I promise you, the word that the Holy Spirit gave me, it's for you. So somebody say, respond. respond. Just to get the room acclimated. Everybody say, ah, on the count of three. One, two, three. Ah. There you go. Now we've gotten rid of like all of like the confusion. Like, you shouldn't be uncomfortable. Uh, ah, on the one, count of three. One more time. Ah. Okay, now that you've done the weird stuff and you've shaken it out, can you respond this morning? And the church said, there it is. The third thing is, somebody say, reflect. Today, what I'm looking for you to do is to actively think about your life as I teach. As I'm teaching, look at everything that's being said, hold it up against your life, and begin doing this thing called pruning. Now, how many of you people, um, you like plants? Okay. How many of you that like plants actually can keep them alive? Okay, how many of you that like plants have never uh, actually carried a plant through full term? <laughs> Don't lie, it's okay. You got more leaves on the ground than they are budding with, with, with flowers. Okay, one thing that happens with many of us is that we go, we purchase the plant, we get it from Home Depot, we get it from, Ho well, not from, Ho well, if it's Hobby Lobby, it'll last forever. You see how I did that, Jerry? Um, but you go and get these plants, right? You take it home, and then you just read the instructions and try to make it grow. But then there are certain things that people that love plants do. They do this thing called pruning. You know what pruning is? Pruning is that even though it's grown two feet, I don't want this plant to get ahead of itself, so I got to cut some stuff back. Today, that's what we're doing with your life. There are some parts of your life that you could do a whole bunch of other things, but if we're going to be staying postured, which don't forget, that's our word of the year. Postured basically means that wherever God has called holy, we're not leaving that place. Somebody say, here is holy. Like right there where your family is, right there where your mental health is. Like if not, remember we talked about it last week. If nothing else changed in your life, do you still trust God where he puts you? Okay. I trust God. Somebody say, I trust God. So our actions should also be married with our trust for God. Trust is not something that just comes out of your mouth. It's something that is spoken through your actions. Okay. So three things. Somebody say, take notes. Number three. Oh, number two, say respond. Number three, say reflect. I want you to write this point down. It's not my sermon, but this is something that you should stamp across your heart. You should put this on the tablet of your heart. This is a kingdom concept. And when I say kingdom, it's not Christian. It's what, I, what we really believe Jesus was trying to get to his people in his three years of ministry. Okay? This is what I want you to write down. The kingdom must be applied actively before it performs passively. The kingdom must be applied actively before it is able to perform in your life passively, before you're able to take your paycheck and split it into where it needs to go and make money and it does it without you thinking, you're going to have to apply some brain power to it, right? In order for your marriage, and I'm speaking from my level, right, two years, I get it. I know that people are like, what's this young guy talking about? Don't worry about it. But in order for your life to be able to move from point A to point B, there are going to be some things are going to take some, somebody say this curse word, work. It's going to take some work. Somebody say it's going to take some work. So here we go. Let's start part two. Now, Philippians 4.13 has been established as our anchor scripture. We're reading it from the Amplified. As I mentioned before, um, the Amplified basically takes the Bible and then takes all the words that we need in order for our brains to comprehend, and it puts it all there in the front. Is that all right? So let's read it together. I want you to read it with me because as we go from um, sermon to sermon, this is going to be our anchor. Somebody say anchor. Let's read it together. I can do all things... Through Christ who strengthens me. No, wrong. 
You can't do all things through what Christ has strengthened you. The only thing that God is strengthening you to do is what he has called you to do. First sermon, we really set that apart. Everybody's purpose is the same. The reason why the human man was created was to what? Be with God. The way in which we get to God is our calling. Think about it this way. Your calling is your function in the kingdom. Your purpose is the reason why you were called. Okay? So you were not called to be a doctor. You were called to actually provide people with health. If you think that you're a doctor, you'll treat people based off of your title. And if you don't have a title, you'll think that you're worthless. God has not called anybody to titles. He's called you to use every single characteristic and gift on the inside of you in the right thing. Somebody say calling. Purpose is the reason why you are here. A reason why you are here. A hammer's reason is to build a house, but its calling is to hammer nails. If you use that hammer out of its calling and you try to saw, you might be able to cut a few boards, but you're going to destroy the hammer. And today I want to give some people a little bit of encouragement that maybe one of the reasons why you're so tired isn't because you're doing the wrong thing, but you don't even actually know who you are. You think that you're a saw, but you've been called to hammer nails. But if you realize you're a saw, now you can actually apply your life in the right way. And this is the thing. This whole sermon series isn't to really share with you anything that you don't already know. It's really just to reconfirm what the Holy Spirit has shared with you. And another thing, while I'm on this note, don't look to other people to hear from God for you when he wants to talk to you directly. I can't stand it when people come and ask me to pray for them or go to lunch with them. Guess what? You're not going to get anything from me in a private session at lunch that you couldn't get in 15 minutes of prayer with him. So today, is it okay that we use this scripture? And I know it's going to hurt, but you know what? That's one of the biggest reasons why the church isn't growing, because we don't walk through the stuff that hurts. So look at your neighbor. Say, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a little bit. Let's go back. Philippians. It says, I can do all things which he has Called me to do. This is why calling is so important. Through him who strengthens and empowers me to what? Fulfill his purpose. Not Joshua's purpose. Not the person next to you's purpose. Not your daddy's purpose. No, somebody say his purpose. Which means that the only reason for life that we should be looking at as kingdom citizens in our lives is his. Changes your prayer. Rather than asking God, what am I supposed to do today? The point that we start asking is like, God, what's the reason you have me here? Like, what's the reason? Can we go back up? Can you keep it up, please? Thank you. Um, uh, Empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am, some might say, self-sufficient. In Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for what? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for whatever. Oh, that wasn't enough gang. Okay, all right, okay. I need my folks that used to watch The Wire when it was on BET, like when you had to wait to see what happened to little JoJo. Like, look, look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for whatever. That's how you should look at your life. You should look at your life with a little bit of grit. You should look at your life with a little bit of sweat in your face. Like, I don't care what my life is trying to tell me to do. I'm going to make it do what I want it to do. And I know that's not for everybody, but for me and myself, there's some stuff that's supposed to happen in my life because I've seen it. But I look at it sometimes. I'm like, I don't like how this looks. God, give me the power to change this. Somebody say, no more heroes. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him. Somebody read this with me. Who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. One word I wish that they would put here is his. I wish it was there. I don't think that we should translate the Bible anymore because there's like literally 75 versions of it because people don't like what they like. And then when they don't like what they like, they take out what they don't like to justify to do what they like. (laughs) I don't care. Who infuses me with, somebody say his inner, his inner strength and confident peace. One of the biggest issues that we have in the church is that we have a whole bunch of people that have power and character but don't know what to do with it. So we can teach all these sermons about God has called you to be and you got gifts and you got strengths and provide the Holy Spirit to talk to you. And then people have all these gifts in their hands and they're just like, all right, so what do I do with them? Yeah. And then what happens is, is that this thing called potential begins to creep up. Now, up until this point, people have told you what? That you should probably try to Reach your potential. I want to pop your bubble today. Jesus never reached potential. He fulfilled purpose. Okay, okay, all right, okay. I know, I know, I know your Christian bubble just got popped, but let, can we apply some, some Jesus to it, all right? Jesus did not fulfill his potential. 
Jesus didn't do what the army slogan was in the 90s, be all that you can be. No, Jesus realized I can't be all who I can be. I can only be who God has called me to be. I'm teaching already. Growing up, I used to have this issue where if I was at a party, my parents would drop me off at the party, and I had got my first cell phone my sophomore year of high school. And a lot of you parents have given, like, tablets and phones to your seven-year-olds. But, hey, not my business. I'm going to stay over here. So they would drop me off at the, at, the, at the party, and the minute I would get to the party, somebody would message me and be like, hey, bro, you need to come down the street. It's jumping. And I'm like, so why am I here? And at the end of the night, I was only supposed to be at one location, but then when my parents would come to pick me up, they thought that they were going to pick me up at the first original location. Any, any kids know what I'm talking about? Drop me off at house A, but then you went from house A, and now you're at house Z. But now you got to figure out a way to get to house A without letting your parents know. And they also were supposed to pick up at 9, but it's 845, and you're on the opposite side of the town. Like, you're just like, oh, God, what do I do? Okay. So it would happen where... I would leave parties because I wasn't happy with what was happening at the function I was at. And based on how people depicted the function across the city, I would see that as something better than where I was at. Because of the potential to have a better time there. So I would leave my friends that I've known since the fourth grade because they had pizza, but they had Panda Express over across the city. And I would leave this function, even though I have relationship with these people, even though at 29, this group of four guys are the only friends that I have, I would go to another function where there would be things going on in the house that was against my character, against my morals, but they had Panda Express. And I was selling out my friends. That's terrible. I was selling out the best friends I've ever had because somebody else had better food. But then this is what would happen. I would get to the function late. And the food that they said was there when I would get there would be gone. Please hear me. I'm already teaching. Apply it to your life. Apply it to your life. Apply it to your life. Then I'm going to get to that party, and the homies would be like, hey, bro, we got Madden 25. I'm like, it's 1998. I'm not sure how you have it, but I'm going to show up. I'm, this, is fiction. This, is not, this is fiction, okay? It's not the truth. Show up to the party. They had a new Xbox. Then when I get to the Xbox, they only got three controllers, and there's 30 people there, so I can't even play. And based off of my potential hunt, I would jump from place to place thinking that the next place was going to be better than the last. And then by the end of the night, I still had to go back to where I started. I had to walk through that door and I had to look my friends in the face and say, hey, uh, the party wasn't any better over across the street. And every time I came back to the house, there was always more food. They always had a controller for me to play on. This is basically what I'm trying to say. You can spend your whole life chasing potential and never reach purpose. Today, I'd like to talk to you about this. Look at your neighbor and teach this sermon, uh, this sermon title to your person. And when they take off running, be okay. Look at your neighbor and say, the problem with potential. Potential is the biggest thing that is crushing the church. Let's go to the word. Luke 2. Four, and I got my big dog today. Look at this, man. I got, like, notes and everything. Like, my, my Bible, for real, for real. You feel me? Anybody have a physical Bible? It just feels different. So I'm going to use this way. All right, Auntie, I'm with you. Let's do it. Here it is. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, which is very significant, he's one year away from being an adult in the Jewish culture. I want you to keep that in mind. Say, somebody say, one year away from being an adult. When we talk about being an adult, it's not that he is grown, but he's walking into the season of becoming grown. Does that make sense? He's 12 years old. The, uh, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. He stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him. Somebody say they didn't miss him. They didn't miss him at first. Why? Underline this. Because they assumed. Somebody say they uh assumed he was among the other travelers. When we read this scripture, one thing that I found out is that we can misread things when we read too quickly. Jesus was not just traveling with his parents. The whole town of Bethlehem was making this trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. So his parents assumed that just because you're around good people, you'll be the right person that we want you to be. Please buckle up your seatbelt. Because the revelation at the end of this sermon is going to change your life if you allow it. 
They assume they know where Jesus is. They have like this laissez-faire thing of parenting. He's all right. He's amongst good people. But how many of you guys know that some of the worst things that happen to children happens with people that you trust? Let me, let, me, let me reel it back. Too real. Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. What does it say? Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting amongst who? Religious teachers. But what was he doing? Listening to them and asking questions. Now, wait a minute. Jesus knows from the time that he leaves heaven, I am the son of God. I'm supposed to change the world. I'm supposed to die on the cross. But he knew that at that moment, he wasn't called to be a teacher. He was called to be a student. Please, please stay with me. Please wake up. Stay with me. His purpose is to die on the cross. But what he understood is that I'm 12 years old. I'm not yet a man. And even though I know more than the people around me, my job in this season, my calling in this season is to be a student and not a rabbi. Please stay with me, y'all, because it's going to get so good. Jesus understands. I can't even claim to go study to be a rabbi until I'm 30. So Jesus knows if I'm going to be around smart people that I know I'm smarter than, maybe the best place I could be is to listen and ask questions. I want to encourage you to know that one of the best places that you can be is around people that are smarter than you, but they don't know that you're smarter. Everybody doesn't have to know what you know. Everybody doesn't know, have to know how smart you are. And the reason why Pastor Joshua can tell you this is because this is where his flesh gets weak. Because I feel if you don't know what I know, sometimes I feel like you disqualify me. I need you to know how smart I am. I need you to know how powerful I am. I need to know that, I need you to know I'm in control. And then what happens is, is that people see you as narcissistic, see you as prideful, they see you as being a control freak. Jesus understands that I'm okay just right now in this moment, not fulfilling my purpose, but fulfilling my calling. Remember what I talked about last week. Are you okay? If nothing changes, are you okay being right here? When they couldn't find him, they came back to Jerusalem to search for him three days later. They finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and doing what? Asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and what? His answers. Write this point down. This point, I promise you, will change your life forever. And the reason why I know it will is because it changed mine. Joshua had an epiphany about two weeks ago that literally flipped my, my world upside down. You ever been like in the middle of like crying and stress and then something clicks and you're just like, oh. Like, I, listen, to, listen to me. Crying, asking God, Vanessa, what am I doing? Callie, what am I doing? Mom, dad, what am I doing? And then the Holy Spirit was just like, let's make a small adjustment. This is the craziest thing about the Holy Spirit. What you think is going to be like a huge, like giant gap as deep as the Grand Canyon is just like this. Oh, that was it. You mean I was crying over nothing. Write this point down, church. Potential creates opportunities for unnecessary pressure. The worst thing that happened in your life was people telling you what you were good at. Please, please stay with me. The worst thing that anybody has ever done for you has told you that you were good at something that you were not called to develop. Every person that's good at music should not pursue music. Just because you're good at something does not mean that you should put all of your eggs in that something especially if you're not called to it. Remember my analogy before? In order for me to leave my friend's house, I had to tell them I was leaving. And this is your, this is your permission in your life. Stop having wishy-washy people that can choose to be with you in one season, leave, and then come back in the season. Like, this show started in season one. We're season eight, and we're about to end the series. We're not about to add on more episodes because you jumped in. Like, look at your neighbor and say, this story is over. Worst thing that anybody has ever done for you is tell you that you're good at something. Let's talk about potential. Potential as an adjective is having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. Potential as a noun, right? Potential as an action is are these latent qualities or abilities that may be developed 
and lead to future success or usefulness. So your potential is all of the stuff on the inside of you that you, somebody scream could do. But a lot of people are in their lives right now doing things that they could do, and they never realize what they should be doing. And life doesn't slow down for you to figure it out. So I just thank God I had this epiphany at 29 and not at 69. Because that's what's crushing a lot of people. Because you think that because you just had this epiphany at 50 years old that you have wasted time. Yes, you've wasted time, but God comes from this place where time doesn't exist. God created time so that our little pea brains will be able to not be mush. We freak out because of daylight savings. We lose an hour, we gain an hour. Like, do you know how simple that is? God created the universe to the T, that he knows if I don't take an hour away every other year and give you an hour every other year, you'll be lost. So don't you think that if he created time that he knows how to make sure that what you have in between your, in between your earlobes actually makes sense? This is the biggest war you'll fight in between these, not with these. Not with these, not with these, <laughs> but in, in between these. Somebody say these. Teach your kids this. They should know it. These. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm doing too much. But this is what life looks like. And all of you online, I know I saw your comments. I didn't give you all enough love, so we're going to get some love today. Good to see you. Where are you watching from? Put it in the chat. I love you. I appreciate you. Okay. This is you. When you're born into this world, everything that you need, glory to God, this is going to change your life. This is you. This is me. I know that y'all like, stop talking about me. I'll talk about myself. This is Joshua. In me, when God placed me in my mother's stomach, when he, no, when he placed the idea of me in my dad's mind. Let's go backwards. No, let's go backwards. When God had a thought about me. Sometimes you got to slow this thing down to realize how dope you are because of how dope your God is. Real quick. God thought about Joshua God thought about Joshua put Martin and Linnell together. Then he gave his original idea to Martin. Then that Martin had the same idea Linnell had. They came together and then they had me. When they had me, everything that Joshua would ever need, somebody say is right here. But then one day somebody said, hey, Josh, you're a really good speaker. Next. And now I can start to live my life based on the potential of people telling me I'm good at speaking. But being a pastor is not the only vocation that's good at speaking. Within this realm of potential, I could have been a teacher. Please, please stay with me. I could have been a lawyer. My mom really wanted me to be a lawyer. Callie's a lawyer. Can we just say thank you to Callie for being the lawyer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. By fulfilling your calling, your boy didn't have to do what he did, what he did. Okay. But then, so I went to school, and within this realm of potential are an infinite amount of things that you can do. What potential did for me, when somebody told me I was good at something, is it created a bunch of pressure to fulfill what they told me. Then after they told me I was good at speaking, they told me a characteristic trait. They said that you're actually really funny. Then another ring of potential came. So now I can't just be good at teaching now I got to be funny too. Okay, well, that cuts off being a lawyer because you can't be funny and talk. So that means I must have to be a comedian. Please, it, you already missed it. Based on what people told you you were good at, based on the characteristics that people told you you were good at, some of us eliminated what God wanted us to be because somebody saw something in us because they were too close to the picture. Now... I'm moving further and further away from the original intent that God had for me. Because doing what I'm doing now wasn't out here. It was in here. Somebody's going to get free today. I don't care if you don't like me today. But today is the poorest you will be. The day is the most ignorant you will be. Somebody's going to get their life right. Somebody say, get my life right. Tired of you being broken, tired of you being confused, tired of you walking in your life, thinking that all your worth is working at a french fry place. But I think there's some people that are working at Burger King that are trying to figure out, how can I own this joint? And there's no problem. Look at you there, but there's no problem with you wanting to be more than what you see. 
I got to be funny, and I got to be a good communicator. So that means I have to be a comedian. So now there's another ring. Somebody told Joshua, hey, Joshua, you should probably marry a woman that's like X, Y, and Z. Another ring came. So now I can't marry the woman that Joshua was called to. I have to marry a woman that's okay with me being funny, me being able to communicate. And now if she's okay with me, now I'm getting further and further from who God wanted me to be. The version of the husband that Joshua wanted me to be to Vanessa is in here. But if I listen to what other people have said to me about my life, now I'll marry somebody out here. Then guess what? This is what happens. Then they'll tell you, hey, bro, I know you figured all this stuff out, but life burned me. So you might want to take less risks. So wait a minute. Before your opinion told me that I'm a good speaker, so I could have been the president. But then you told me I was funny and we don't like funny presidents. So now I got to be a comedian. But then you told me to marry the person that was okay with those two. But now I'm married. So now you're telling me not to take more risks after I've taken all the biggest risks in my life. And this is where many of us are living our lives. In what we could do. But we don't even know how to get back to the heart that God had for you. I'm really trying to make this clear for you. That your life can change today. Without quitting your job. Without talking to your wife without talking to your kids. I mean, like, you're going to have to consult with her. But the way in which you get back to the middle is that you got to cut through the pressure of trying to be what other people have called you to be. Because this is the funny thing about people's opinions. None of them come to support their opinion and help you develop into what they called you to do. Oh, I know I'm teaching good. I know. I know. And you don't have to talk today. But if you, if you don't come back to this church, which I hope that you do, every sermon's going to be just like this. Pastor Martin's going to teach at some point in time. And remember, I'm the, I'm the one that loves people. That man don't care about nothing in your life except for you reaching what he's called you to do. So just get this anesthesia today before that man gets up here and rips your life apart. Somebody say amen. amen. Two different callings. Somewhere in this ring, somebody told me I was supposed to be Dr. Martin. You should be more like your dad. You should be more like blah, 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 blah. And now, once... I try to fulfill who Martin is out here, one of us becomes irrelevant. And the one who becomes irrelevant is the counterfeit. Let me just encourage you just for a second. The person that keeps stealing your ideas at the job, at some point in time, that idea is going to have to return to the creator. So don't trip that Chuck got your idea on paper and took your idea to the VP. At some point in time, Chuck is going to have to try to be you. And the only way that Chuck can be you is getting away further and further away from who he is. Somebody sit on your feet and say, I am who I am. Done trying to change who I am. Done. Yes, I'm good at that, but I'm not called to it. Ha! I'm good at it, but I'm not called to it. I'm good at it. I'm not called to it. I'm good at leading worship, but I'm not called to lead worship. I'm good to be, I'm, I'm a, I want to be married, but in this season, I'm not called to be married. So then we have these people that are getting married because somebody said that they would look good with the baby. When am I going to get my grandbabies? And now you force somebody to live further away from what God has called them to be. And then this is the funniest thing. The further you get away from your purpose in God, the louder the criticism gets. But I turned into what you called me to. I did what you told me to do. Now you're going to chop my legs out for doing what you told me to do? People's opinions about you, people's thoughts and advice about you is never complete. The only version of you that makes any sense, maybe I can speak this way. The only version of you that makes any sense is the version that God gave you before you even hear. That is why we teach here at AWC, you are a spirit first. You are flesh second. Because a lot of the times what this hears contradicts what this is saying. Somebody say amen. So now we have Joshua living in all of these rings of pressure. Because all of these circles are all pushing in all at the same time. 
So I have to be funny. I have to be able to communicate. Then I also have to marry the right woman, but I also have to be like, 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 like my dad or whoever the person is. How many of you have ever been compared to somebody else? Why aren't you like such and such? Why aren't you like such and such? And you'd be like, Mama, why didn't you have them then? Huh? Why didn't you have her? I ain't going to be her. She's six foot. I'm 5'11". Daddy was only four foot, so you, you did this. My mama sings this song, for the nine months I carried you. And I'm like, I didn't ask to be here. Like, can we stop singing this song? You acted like I was up in heaven pulling on a little, like, ding, ding. All right, bro, let's get this thing going. It's time for me to live. No, no, no. Your hope in your life is to never be able to, is to not leave the red dot knowing that you could potentially be something greater than what you are. Hear what I'm saying? Being a president to some people will be greater than being a pastor. We have more money, but it also comes with problems that I'm not called to fix. Some of the issues that you're trying to fix, if you looked at the root of those issues, you might actually figure out that you're trying to fix a problem that's not yours to fix. Let me get back to the word. Somebody say, get back to the word. All potential has ever done is accelerate anxiety, perpetuate pain, and create confusion. That's all it's ever done. The worst thing that your grandparents told you is what you could be without consulting God. This is what should happen. When people tell you about you, the first thing that should come out of their mouth, firstly, is this. Do, you, do I have your permission? My daddy taught me this when people were praying for me. He says, don't put your hands up until you agree. <laughs> we walk up to prayer like, I need it. And then they say something. They could be putting like ooky spooky on you. But your hands are up. You've received it. So what do I do? I look awkward. It's kind of like how many of you have uh, ever kissed somebody and their eyes was open? Isn't that awkward? What does it do? It makes you stop kissing. When you go to kiss somebody and they're like this, you stop. So when somebody comes to speak to Joshua wide open, I can't afford to close my eyes because they said, thus says the Lord. My spiritual eyes need to be open. So when somebody comes with their potential and says, hey, Josh, you could do this, my spiritual eyes are open to say, no, that's not what God told me. Thank you very much for your opinion, but I will humbly throw it in the trash. Somebody say, forget their opinion. I don't care about your opinion about what God has called me to do. Why would God talk to you about me before he talks to me about me? Nowhere in the Bible did God willingly make a middleman. When he created Moses, he didn't want Moses to stand between him and the people. When he created Joseph, he didn't want Joseph to stand between him and the people. Jesus wanted it to be just like it was in Genesis. When I want to talk to Adam, I'm not going through Eve. I'm not going through an aardvark. I'm coming to Adam. Right there where you are, lift your hands and say, God, speak to me. If there's anything in my life I'm not doing right, if I'm called to, like, just tell me now. I don't got much time. Like, some of you, like, you're pregnant with purpose and don't even know it. And you might miscarry this thing that God has on the inside of you because you don't even know that you're on this, like, the third trimester. Like, God, get this thing out of me. Potential. Three most dangerous things to your purpose are other people's limited observation of your life. You only see me once a week. There's no way that you could tell me how I'm supposed to lead my life. Come on, dog. Don't let the teacher for your baby tell them who they're supposed to be. They see them seven hours a day. Not even seven hours a day. If you're in high school, they see that teacher one hour. And if they're block scheduled, it's one hour every other day. This is the reason why in your house you cannot afford to talk about ESPN. You cannot afford to talk about CNN. You cannot afford to talk about what's going on down the street more than you talk about who your children are. This is why purpose at our house is always on repeat. Who are you? Where are you going? What's your calling? Where are you going? What's your calling? Where are you going? What's your call? To the point where it becomes so aggravating. I'm just like, shoot, I'll just become who you're telling me to be. So you stop asking me. And God finally says, oh, okay, good. One of the reasons why God is aggravating you with purpose is because he hasn't got you past becoming who he wants you to be. Once you become who, you wanna, who I told you to be, Joshua, I'll stop bugging you on being this person. Then I'll bring vision. Then I'll bring ideas. Then I'll bring the good stuff, but until you become who you are, I'm about to aggravate you into becoming who you are. Somebody say amen. amen. The pressure of potential is to strive for perfection. But I want you to write this down. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progression. Any and every athlete in the room, if you're in high school, if you're, if, if you're doing anything at your job, I want to pop this bubble that there is no way that any of us will ever be perfect. God ensured that we would never reach perfection so that we would always look to him as the perfect one. You will never be perfect. Nothing that you ever do will be perfectly right. 
The person that you marry will not be perfectly right. The children that you have will not be perfect. The job, even the one that you create for yourself, even the one when you create financial uh, freedom for yourself, God wants to make sure I can't let you be perfect because the minute that you think that you're perfect, you don't need me. Purpose means nothing without God's presence. Did you hear what I said? Luke 2, 48, it says, his parents didn't know what to think. They say, son, his mother said to him, what? Why have you done this to us? Isn't it interesting that when you follow what God has called you to do, people will use every excuse to think that you not spending time with them is because you don't want to spend time with them. First of all, that's pride, to think that all of my free time has to be spent with you. Oh, there's not a lot of who's there. Because it's you. It's okay. It's all right. I'm there too. I want my wife to spend time with me. My wife told me a couple days ago, she said, I'm going to read all day Saturday. I'm like, well, we're going to go to brunch. She read all day Saturday, and I was hurt. But what do I do? Do I pull her away from what she needs to do to get herself right, to be selfish with me? Some might say no. Why have you done this to us? I see him crying. Why have you done this? Super dramatic. Isn't it funny that Joseph doesn't say nothing? Joseph is looking at his mother like, hey, bro. <laughs> your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But Jesus says, why did you need to search for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? New King James says I must be about my father's business. Isn't it interesting that every single time that Jesus talks about his purpose, he connects it to the father. My father's business, my father's want, my father's purpose, my father's purpose. Anytime the people ask him about dying on the cross, he calls it his calling. For I am called to the cross. For I am assigned to the cross. This is the thing. Your purpose, if you claim it, you take away God's right to bless it. But we'll talk about that later. I'll let Pastor Martin touch that one. Then, what does Jesus do? Oh, he says, I must be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. This is the part of the sermon that blew my mind. Then what does it say that he did? Can you go to it, please? It says, then he returned to Nazareth with them. And what was, oh, oh, and Christians, we hate this word. We, we hate being obedient. Because <laughs> you believe that since we talk about purpose and having dominion over your life, that it still gives you the ability to put the finger up to God. Hold up, God. <laughs> oh, funny. <Yeah>. <laughs> then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all of these Things where? In her heart. Some of y'all going to get free right now. Practice makes progression. After Jesus leaves with them, we don't see Jesus for another 18 years. Read your Bible. Jesus is in the right place, doing the right thing. But his calling wasn't to be the son of God in that moment. It was called to be the son of Mary. Please, please stay with me. My calling and my purpose came from Jesus, uh, uh, came from God in heaven. I am Jesus. I'm, man, I'm going to do a bunch of miracles. I'm going to die on the cross. But in this moment, if I'm disobedient to this person that has authority over my potential in my life, I might miss the markers that God wants me to reach. Some of you in the crowd, and I was one of them, so I'm going to talk about myself will never get past your ability to be obedient to things that you don't understand. It's the biggest thing that's hindering you. You're, you're, you're literally like addicted to surety. I have to know. And it doesn't make sense until, I, until, I, until it makes sense. And PJ, it's really hard for me to work with people that think that they're smarter than me and things that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're a parent. How many of your kids have ever told you something that they know, but you know, like, that's, no, no, I'm 50 for a reason. Like, I'm, like I was born at night, not last night. Like, I kind of know. <laughs> if I'm telling you to do something, it's because I actually know what I'm doing. You've been here for 12 years, Joseph. I mean, I meant Jesus. Like, I'm your mother. And Jesus goes back with them. This was so astounding to me. And it might not be for those of you that might be a little bit like, Maybe not at that level, but 
Jesus, the son of God, the one that's going to die on the cross, realizes that I need to be obedient to my mother in order for me to fulfill my calling. Because fulfilling my calling will help me fulfill my purpose. And we don't hear anything about Jesus until he's 30 years old. So the question is, what do he do? <laughs> what did he do for those 18 years? He started developing what he was called to do. What I'm learning in my life is that the more obedient I am, and this is the thing, agreement doesn't, I'm sorry, obedience doesn't always mean agreement. Obedience is the act of doing what you're told because you know you have to submit. I say this all the time. Submission doesn't feel like submission until it's submission. And now I'm learning as a 29-year-old man that some of the things that pastors Martin and Linnell tell me in my brain because of the way I work, because of who I am as a person, in my head I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But God's not looking for Joshua to make it make sense. He's looking for me to see, do you trust my voice even when it comes through somebody that's not making much sense? Please stay with me. Just because you don't understand Joshua doesn't mean that it's not true. And Jesus submits to his mother and goes back to Nazareth with them. Not, hey, mom, let me finish this conversation and I'll meet up with you later. There's no dialogue with Jesus and Mary. There's no dialogue where Jesus bucks up against the system. It's like in his brain where I was a couple weeks ago, Jesus went from teaching in the synagogue to like, oh, yeah, cool, that makes sense. And now I'm starting to realize that in Joshua's life, being non-resistant doesn't mean that I have to be okay with not being non-resistant. I was fighting life because I didn't like how life was going and I had no control. But I realized that once water becomes ice, it's no longer fluid. Stay with me. Stay with me. So God wants you to be like water. Wherever you want to go, God, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. Whatever, whatever you want, I'm going to do it, man. Like whatever. And I might look crazy to people, but I don't care what they see. Like I'm, I'm doing what you told me to do. And as long as I do what you told me to do, I'm going to end up where I want to be. And then in some seasons of your life, it can look like you're crazy. And all you can tell people is, I'm just following God. I'm, I'm just following God. In Joshua, I'm okay with you thinking I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm okay with you checking me off. I'm okay with you thinking that me and my wife are wasting our time. Why? Because God talked to me. He didn't talk to you. You need to begin to dismantle what people said about you in the name of God, but it was actually their opinion. Well, God told me, did he really? Somebody say, did he really? The level you desire to reach will be possible with, will, will, I'm sorry, will be impossible without a season of separation. Jesus Christ, Lord have mercy. Oh, I got to move on. So what did Jesus do in those 18 years? Say, what did he do? Look at your neighbor and say, what did he do? What did he do? In those 18 years, Jesus learned in private what was going to be asked of him in public. Jesus learned how to love people while he was with his mother. Jesus learned how to serve people while he was learning how to be a carpenter with his father. Like, so by the time that we see Jesus at 30, he's now so full of himself, which is not a bad thing. People have lied to you and said, you're so full of yourself. I should be. I should be full of myself because the alternative is being full of other people. I am full of myself, me, myself, and I. Not being selfish, but what God put on the inside of Joshua, I'm not going to displace it to fill it with somebody else that doesn't know my purpose and my calling. Like, I'm going to be full of myself. I'm going to be Because if I'm full of myself and I'm right with God, I'm full with Jesus. Like, so just like, leave me alone. Somebody say, leave me alone. The illusion of perfection is that you can only do one thing at a time. But you're going to have to become okay living a life in the middle of both and. The kingdom is not finite. It's kind of gray in some areas. And if you've been walking in this thing called Christianity, the reason why we mess up as Christians is because we think black and white. So because the Bible says I shouldn't be a drunk, it doesn't say that I can't drink. So I'll drink until I almost get drunk and I'm within the black and white area. But then later on in the Bible, it says, do not let your good be evil spoken of. So then it's like, okay, well, drinking is not a sin. But if somebody that's an alcoholic sees me drinking, it's being evil spoken of. But do I not drink because it's a sin? Or do I not drink because Paul said it later on in 2 Corinthians because it'll cause my brother to fall? 
So now we have to live in this, what Pastor Martin mentions all the time, which is cognitive dissonance. All it is is when something is truth, it's fighting against your truth. Cognitive dissonance is your ability to throw away what you believe to be true to believe something else that is true. But that's hard. So what's the cure? you got to live in both and. Let me prove to you how Jesus was both and. And this might get a little bit churchy. So if you got a Baptist folk next to you or a Kojic folk next to you, just, just watch. Just watch this. Jesus is both judge and grace. He's both. Jesus will send you to eternal damnation if you do not proclaim him as Jesus, as God, as king. And we cannot teach the kingdom if we do not talk about sin being a real thing that you have to get rid of. But at the same time of being judged with a gavel, he's grace. At the same time, so I hate, one of the biggest lies you've ever heard is nobody can judge me. Everybody's supposed to judge you. They're supposed to. But their judgment of you is supposed to take you to the judge. Jesus is both judge and grace. He's both divinity, meaning that he's holy, which means I cannot be close to man. But he's also humanly accessible. Moses, take off your shoes, put your face to the ground so that you cannot see me. I'll show you my back. If you see my face, you'll die. But then later on, he gives him 10 commandments that tells him that he wants people to be as close to him as possible. Somebody say both and. God is both submissive and dominant. God created all of these different rules around, the, around our entire universe. But he also is submitted to what you want to do in the earth at the same time. How is he all powerful and all submissive at the same time? So he's also justice and mercy. He's holy and acceptable. He's the beginning and the end. He's grace and truth, which means that he could have been the son of God and the son of a human at the same time. So what does that mean for you? That means that you can be so sure about what you're doing and confused. Okay, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. What religion has told you is that there's no wiggle room when it comes to the plan of God on your life. So you cannot, so the people say, like, you're either sure or you're not. That's not the kingdom. If Jesus is able to be accessible by man, but then also if you look at me, you die, then you can be totally okay, perfect in your mental health and falling apart at the same time. Your marriage can be all that it can be in the worst place in the world. All at the same time. If you think that you have to choose in between the other, at some point in time, you're going to rip yourself apart. Your job is to be able to stay postured in the middle of the storm and be able to look at the storm and say, this tornado is going to rip open our boat. But if this rain keeps coming down, it's going to water the trees. God, I'm okay if you never take me out of the storm. I'm okay if you never take this sickness away. I'm okay if my son never gets off of drugs because I could be both in. I can be sure and confused. I can be right and be wrong. I can be okay and not okay at the same time. God is not really worried about which one you pick. He wants to know, are you okay if I never change it? Because when I call you to purpose, every idea that I give you is not going to work. That's another lie that religion tells you. Is that when God tells you to do X, it's actually going to work. God just wants to know, will you be obedient? Moses, take the stick. Throw the stick. In front of Pharaoh. Moses, I'm gonna be, I ain't, I'm not gonna teach, I'm gonna teach the real, all right? God, you are tripping if you think I'm gonna throw this piece of stick. You see these two vipers, I'm gonna talk, you see these two vipers, dog? Two vipers, bruh. Where am I at? If Moses would have done that, it would have disqualified what God wanted to do with the stick. Because the power is not in the stick, the power is in your obedience. So right now, just make the decision. I can be crazy and have it all together at the same time. I'm a kingdom schizophrenic. I don't know who I'm going to be when you see me. But one thing that I know I'm going to be is I'm going to be in the calling of God. I'm going to be in the purpose of God. You might not understand where I'm at. You might not understand why I'm doing what I do. But somebody scream, he does. I don't care if you don't understand what I'm doing. He does. But your family looks confused. Aren't you tired of your marriage? No. And Yes. I'm trying to get you free this morning. Aren't you tired of your sexual addiction? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yes, I'm broken. 
I don't know what's going on. Pieces of my soul in different people's beds. Like, I don't know where I'm at. So somebody say both and. I can be both in. This is not the time to have your phone in your hand. This is not the time to fall asleep. And if you can't fall asleep right now, this sermon is not for you. Don't listen to this one if your phone is in your hand. Don't, don't do that. Like, don't, if you fall asleep, this is going to wreck your life. But for many of us, you think you're schizophrenic. You think that you have multiple personalities. Hey, we rebuke that demon in Jesus' name. I'm sorry. Schizophrenia is a demon. But... There's parts of Joshua that don't agree with one another. And there's like this internal fight in me. My parents built me as a dog. Anything you give me, I'm going to kill it by myself. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm called to do. Some people call it pride. Some people call it narcissism. But the way in which these two individuals over here built Joshua is that if you give it to me, I will never let it drop. And if it's going to drop, if any of you know me, I'm going to tell you before anybody tells you. There's nothing about my life that anybody in this room knows about me that my family does not. That's just how I'm built. But then you put me in this church sphere where I have to work with people that are not agreeable. I know what I'm doing, but now you're telling me I have to work with, develop, and try to love on somebody who is narcissistic? Like, what am I? Just give me the ball. I'm Kobe. The reason why I don't pass them the ball because they weren't with me shooting in the gym. And I keep asking them, can you take this bitter cup away from me? And now I'm learning. Where I'm actually the most powerful is where I can be Kobe. But I decide to be Steph. Hear my heart. Steph assists the ball more than he shoots. So that means that every time he shoots and makes a shot, it brings his percentage down. Please hear me. God wants you to be able to know that you're the most powerful person in the room. And also be a lamb that's meek at the same time. Somebody's getting free. Somebody's getting free today, LED screen. Somebody's getting free today. I'm going to preach to you today because you're the only thing that's holy in this room. Come on, bro. Somebody say both in. Your child can be losing their mind and still be the righteousness of God at the same time. What the enemy wants you to do is side with the side that, he's, that you can see. This child looks crazy in front of me, but do you have the faith? To believe that this child can be everything that they call them to be. I'm sorry I'm stuck. I'm sorry I'm stuck. I'm sorry I'm stuck. I'm sorry I'm stuck. Jesus is sitting there knowing I could become the Caesar. I could have become a centurion. I could have made a, pot, a pottery. But like in this moment, I'm called to deal with the struggle of being God but being a son. And this is where my epiphany came, Daddy. Jesus had to be dealing with what he was dealing with as a human like I am. I just need two people I need to preach to because I don't want this to go over people's heads. I don't want to waste these words. Who are you at? The, the, those of you that are standing? Listen to this, Miss Nancy. At the same time that Joshua is frustrated with being told that there's a transition and I'm supposed to be the lead, but then also that I got to work with people at the same time, Jesus had the same internal struggle. Hear my heart. Jesus is standing in the temple saying, woman, who are you talking to? I'm the son of God. But then also, but I got to be obedient. And he didn't throw away his title as the son of God to be obedient. <laughs> and he didn't throw away his obedience to be the son of God. He said, you know what? For these next 18 years, I'm just going to struggle with both. And the more that he struggled with both, it gave him practice to stretch his arms out. Here, y'all just missed it. The more he struggled with being obedient, at the same time he was struggling with being the son of God. It was, he was practicing, stretching himself wide open. So by the time that he died on the cross, he was able to say, your will be done. I, don't, I ain't got nothing left in me. I ain't got no fight left in me. God, you can take me. I'm done. I've been obedient. I've been the son of God. God, kill me and get me out of here. I can't do this no more. This is why worship that doesn't come here is not worship. It has to become surrender when you're being obedient to God. But I'm also a king, but I'm willing to take my crown off because you're the king of kings. God, somebody just for two seconds, stand on your feet and say, God, you can have it all. You can have my potential. You can have my skills. You can have my character. Yes, I'm good at this. But I'm called over here. And God, it's hard. It's tough. I'm a dog on the inside. I can be Kobe. I can, I can take the ball, dribble it, run it down, and dunk. But you want me to pass the ball, but Johnny can't shoot. I'll, be, I'll do both. Somebody scream, I'll do both. Take your seat. I'm going to finish this in two seconds. Here it is. 
This week, when you're confused, know that on the opposite side of your confusion, that version of you knows everything. This week, when you're broken, know that there's another version of you that's whole. Somebody scream it one more time, both hands. Luke 2, 52. I'm in my bag today. Y'all can't tell me nothing. I don't. If nobody celebrates me today, if nobody says you did taught a good sermon, I don't need it anymore because I got back to the middle point of who I am. I don't, I don't need no noise. I don't need no agreement. I got off of social media because I was tired of hearing about people criticize sermons. They didn't even listen to the whole thing. You listen to 30 seconds and got something to say, and some of them are in the room. It's okay, but you're still here. Just stay here. I don't care what you think. <laughs> if, it, if it calls me to, to fit purpose, I'm going to reach it. You want to know what I care about more than your opinions about me? Is you reaching your purpose for you. Point at somebody and say, stop watching me and become you. Come you. I'm in my bag. Okay. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. Now listen. Jesus thought that when he made the decision to follow his mother, all he was going to get, OG, was just going to be being obedient. But in his obedience, in the season where he was both and, in the season where he denied his potential and became what God called him to be, it says that three things were given to Jesus. And this is what purpose is all about. It's not about anything that you put on the wall. It's not about a plaque. It's not about a certificate. It's not about marriage. It's not about anything that you can say that you, somebody say, do. God doesn't care about what you can do. All God wants you to know is that he wants you to become something. In Jesus' turmoil of trying to figure out I'm God and man at the same time, three things happened to him. Three things. It says that he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. I want you to write these points down. Remember, taking notes because this is what's happening to you when you say yes to God. This is what's happening to you when you say yes to God. When I say this is what's happening to you when you, you will grow in wisdom. Wisdom is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience. What God says is that I'm going to give you knowledge of things you've never done. That's wisdom. So when Jesus was obedient to his mother, the same knowledge that he had when he was 30, he got at 12. Some of the stuff that you're trying to get in a book, you're trying to get in counseling, you can get it when you just submit your abilities to God. 99.999% of the things that Joshua does in his life is not because he's smart. It's because I'm learning to be obedient. Somebody say amen. amen. The next thing that will happen to you is that you'll grow in stature. Somebody say I'm about to get a growth spurt. Woo, I like how that sounds. Hey, don't be looking for me next week. I'm going to be taller. You might miss me. I'm a, I might gain some weight. I'm, I'm about to be bigger. But there's about to be kingdom citizens in this room where your crown's going to be too small because you've grown too big. And God's going to have to get you a bigger crown because now your dominion and your authority is a lot bigger than what it was. Somebody say stature. Stature is importance of reputation gained by ability or achievement. Jesus communicates with, God, uh, with, with his mother. God gives him wisdom, which is knowledge about things he could have never learned. But he also gives him stature. He gives him this ability that when Jesus walks into the spaces he was before, now it feels like there's less space in that space. Any of y'all know what, that's, what I'm talking about? It's like when you come out of your prayer closet, you walk into a space you used to be in, it feels tight. Okay, maybe y'all don't pray. Who prays? Like, you were, you, were, you were frustrated in, like, your job. You were frustrated in your marriage, and you felt really small. You come out of your prayer, and you're like, what is One more. Seems like there's no room in this marriage for hate. It seems like there's no more room in this marriage for frustration. Like, what happened? It's because your stature, somebody say, got bigger. Third thing that happened, after his wisdom, knowledge he couldn't get, after his stature, growing in his capacity, it says that God gave him favor. Favor is the approval, support, or liking for someone or something outside of what they could do. You want to know why people like you? It ain't because you cool. It's because God has. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry I'm so swaggy. I'm sorry I got a gift. I'm sorry I'm able to get more by doing less than you do. But guess what, dog? It ain't me. God just loves me. Isn't that the biggest flex? This is what, I know y'all don't want to stand up and down, but this might be for three people. I just need somebody to stand up on their feet in your dopest, swaggiest pose and just say, God just loved me. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, dog. God loved me, bro. <laughs> what? Jail yard pose was good. Like, God loved me. How did you get Vanessa? Because <laughs> if you knew who your boy really was, but God loved your boy. Like, how did you? God loves me. Somebody scream, God loves me. Now just think about that just for a second. What does he love you in spite of? Think about that. No, no, no. Don't get churchy. Think about it. What does God love Joshua in spite of? His pride. God loves Joshua in spite of his frustration about God. <laughs> I don't know about you. I pray those prayers all the time. God, we... I need you in physical form so I could scrap with you like Jacob did. Like, I want to go head up with you because this is not making any sense. So God gives you wisdom, knowledge that you could never have outside of experience. Gives you stature. He gives you favor. Final question. This is the best sermon I have ever taught. And not because of delivery. I understand what you were saying, Dad. I'm empty. I'm like, I'm going to go home. We're going to eat dinner. Oh, I'm, f- I'm sorry. Wow. 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 Wow, I'm free. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I've been struggling, yo. I've been struggling. And I know pastors, they say, don't be honest. But... If I'm not honest, you'll look at the troubles in your life and think that you got to be strong. I am the weakest I have ever been in my entire life. And there's something about this book, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a living room moment. Welcome to the living room. I'm free. Like, wow, I'm so sorry. Because my wife knows, my wife knows how much of a struggle it's been to be shown what AWC will be and then to be frustrated with what it is. (laughs) But then God's not frustrated with AWC. And I'm realizing you guys aren't frustrated with AWC. You pass so many different churches that have other things, like the parties I went through. And... My freedom is coming in this sermon right now. So all of our staff, when you see something different tomorrow in the office, just go with, I'm done fighting anything. Like, I'm, I'm done. If I, huh. if I never, if, if I never get 100% controlling anything, I'm done. I'm through. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna struggle with both of it because I think God just wants to know, who can I struggle with? I'm done. I'm done. Really quick, it's not my business. Miss Michelle, you know it, but it's okay to be okay and not okay at the same time. It's okay. Oh, I'm free. I'm sorry. Give me a second. So here's the question. Here's the question. Here's the question. Here's the question. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Are you okay with looking at your potential and choosing purpose? That's the question whole sermon series. There's a bunch of stuff you could do, but are you okay with becoming who God wants you to become? Many of you might be asking, well, how do I, (laughs) how do I do that? You got to quit. You got to quit. Somebody say quit. Here it is. Quit. You got to quiet the unnecessary noise. I turned off social media and it's like the most freeing time. I could spend 12 hours in a day creating all of the content I would have for the rest of the week. Like after I get done with sermons, I go home and like for seven hours I'm creating posts and videos and Monday I'm posting twice, I'm posting twice a day a day. And then I was just like, wow, you're really performing for praise. 
like, you don't know if your sermon was good unless it has a thousand. Like, I would post something, take it down if it didn't get a thousand views in the next, like, and I was becoming sick, and I was becoming a sick person. I was becoming, and then when I say sick, I mean, like, I was becoming, looking at the numbers, and I was overlooking the people in the sanctuary. Like, I don't care if a thousand people see it. If four people in here get it, I'm good. <laughs> you got to quiet the unnecessary noise. Number two, you got to unfollow unsolicited opinions. What well, Lord told me, ah, I'm following. There might be some people in here, you might just delete Instagram right now. You might have to hear my heart, hear my heart, hear my heart, hear my heart. You might have to block some folks. And it's not because you don't like them. It's just in this season, I don't, I can't hear from you. You might need to somebody say block myself. I, after you've, un, after you've quieted all the noise, after you've unfollowed, I, you have to investigate God's opinion about you. Hear my heart. There's something that happened with Joshua. I think it was like Tuesday of last week. I was holding my wife's hand. I was like a mess. And I was like, God, what do you want to do? What do you want from me? Why is this so hard? Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Like, why is this season so tough? And my daddy called me and he said, you know that Monday is Shemitah. Now, I ain't going to cap. When Pastor Martin was teaching about it in my head, I was like, I can't get past that word. Now I understand why some people don't like the word moist. Because Shemitah is like. <laughs> All right, say with me. Pastor Martin said, the reason why you might be struggling, and this is why I really, by a round of applause, how many of y'all want Pastor Martin to teach next week? Okay. All right. We might have a special guest for you, though. Um, but he said, all of the stuff that you've ever been fighting hard with, on Monday, everything changes. And my spirit broke. It was just like, what, what do you mean? Like, so if there's anybody in this room that's been having miscarriages, I'm not just talking about physical, but you've had ideas that just haven't made it full term. If your marriage has been like, like destroyed and it doesn't feel like it's working out, if you feel like the battle in between your ears, you're, you're losing it. What dad told me is that the beginning of the new year of the king, who is the Lord, it starts Monday. So I'm like, okay, is there a way that this epiphany that I've had is actually lining up perfectly with what God wants to do in my life. Is it possible that where you are in your life where it feels like everything, like it can't get any worse, is actually perfect, perfect timing for what God wants to do? Jasmine, that what you and your family are walking through right now might seem like it's really dark, but actually God's like, just wait until Monday. Woo. And guess what, y'all? Monday's tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That only hit like six people. Last thing you got to do after you investigate God's opinion is that you got to take small, educated risks. We always talk about go big and jump off the cliff, but if you're just now getting your ego back together, <laughs> you know, if, if you've tried, how many of y'all have ever tried really big and failed really big? Like your embarrassment is like really bruised. You're going to have to start taking small risks. God, I'll trust you this much today. Then I'll try you this much today. Like you might not need to start the whole business, you might need to cook one cake and see if it actually tastes good. Like, you know, I'm going to start a business. Your cakes are trash. Like, you got to, somebody say small risks. Somebody say quit. AWC, I am committed. My entire life is committed to you becoming who God has called you to be. Not what I see. Not what people have told you. But at the end of my life, when I'm in heaven, the word of God says that I'm going to have to give an account to God on my pastoring. And you know what, after today, I'm going to be able to tell him. You know what I'm going to be able to tell him? I'm going to be able to tell God, I gave everything I could for them to become everything that you called them to be. Stand to your feet.